ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, step right up to the Bread and Circuses podcast, where your hosts talk about anything they damn well please. So strap in while Rome burns and enjoy the clown show. Welcome back once again, Bread and Circuses Podcast. I am Rooster here with Crow. How you doing, Crow? Hello, good. We are joined today again by Sparrowhawk. Say hi, Sparrowhawk. Hello. And we have a new guest, Osprey. Welcome to the podcast, Osprey. Thank you. Good to be here. How you guys doing? Good. Fantastic. I don't know if you noticed this, Crow and Osprey. As the music was playing in, you both were taking a drink with the same hand and you set it down the exact same way. <laughs> Something. Did and he then, have? Did he have fruit flies flying around him like pig? That's men, what like that I was. Because you, like, so. you were like pointing at stuff. He's like pointing at stuff like this, like looking around. I'm like, sure, whatever. Yeah, and there was something flying around me. Oh, whatever. All right. So we've been meaning to have Osprey on for a long time. I've hinted at this before because we wanted to talk about the shitty education system in Minnesota right now. <laughs> so we want to just jump into that, or we want to get going on something else. Uh, I think we want to start talking about the education system. All right. Well, uh, first of all, as uh, as Sparrowhawk pointed out many times, we just want to be clear that all teachers are heroes. And they're all that's uh, saving mm-hmm. society right now, right? Because yes. yeah, and they should have their they should have their pay tripled. They're more like warriors, warriors than heroes. Noble, noble warrior poets. Mm-hmm. That's what they are. Crow's looking at us like, where the fuck is this going? <laughs> I was going to see how far this would go. I don't think we could keep that bullshit up much longer. All right. Look, I respect what a lot of teachers do, and there's some just like everybody else. I I don't respect what they do. So, you know, I, I think uh, personally my feeling is that whole teachers union is the worst thing to be uh, affecting education right now. I mean, we can't get rid of the bad teachers, and the good ones can't get paid what they're worth, and... It's it's not a good situation, but we were talking beforehand about how it seems like our kids, who are technically in school right now, they're just not doing much. And when they do, it takes like three day, three hours to do a whole day's worth of schoolwork, and it makes me wonder how much bullshit are they kind of doing and at school? T- we're talking about the quarantine. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wait, is that still going on? Well, we don't know when this episode's going to air, so we want to make sure we put the context in. Yeah. So. So, well... Uh, Osprey Sparrowhawk, you guys have had some experience mm-hmm. with uh, kids in school. You guys want to talk about some of that? or? Well, the, bef- you actually just said something that made me... We, we took a walk the other night in the neighborhood. and Yeah, it was a nice walk. I really enjoyed it. It was nice. It was nice. <laughs> My wife and our kids were walking. Um, no masks. You know, we're not afraid. People were pointing at us, but whatever. People were also dying. Okay, Osprey? They, they were. were dying. You're right. They were. They weren't just dying. They were literally dying. So makes it way worse. I don't know how the subject came up of unions, but you just, you pointed something out. I had to explain to my 10-year-old what a union is and what that means. Um, that you can't be terminated for cause or performance. Right. And um, she asked me, are you in a union? And I said, no, I'm in sales. I actually You're do, like you're yeah. the antithesis of union. Exactly. Yeah, I go, no, I actually I'm producing I'm, I'm get paid out. on performance or yes. I have to leave. Yeah. And I said, So let me ask you this. If you don't know what the word means, do you want to know? Because I always usually ask my kids, like, do you want to know this? Otherwise am I just gonna drone on for ten minutes and you're gonna be bored? She goes, No, tell me about it. So I told her. Um and she said, So you're telling me that a teacher who is not gauged on her his or her performance can just stay. And I said, that's exactly what I'm telling you. She said, oh, and then she referenced teachers that she either knows of or has had and said, they should probably go. And I said, well, <laughs> exactly. So uh, it's an interesting concept for, I think, for a child who has a simple mind, who's their whole world is based around performance, right? Like right. A child gets graded on performance. But to then apply an adult situation to a 10-year-old who doesn't understand, wait, there are things I can... There are jobs that I can get later in life that aren't based on performance. That was weird for her. It was interesting to watch her brain try to work out that concept. So 
Anyways, you that that you said that earlier, and that kind of made me think of that walk we took. But yeah, it it is a shame that we, you know, there are teachers. You know, teachers always say, you know, we don't get paid enough for this. And I always, I'm a big numbers guy. And the median income for a family of four in the United States is about fifty eight thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Right. The average pay for a teacher in Minnesota is about fifty five thousand dollars. So that means if you have two teachers, they're making over a hundred thousand bucks. You're talking about someone who's now in the top ten percent right. of the income range. In fact, right. I think it puts them closer to the top five percent. We're talking public school teachers and yeah. benefits too. Got to yeah. add that too, like total compensation. Not only even. benefits, the best healthcare package right. in the entire country. Correct. Better than Congress gets. I mean, they get great benefits. Correct. It's insane, and uh, I mean, my uh, my wife's in the education union. She's like, she can't believe the benefits they get. And uh, I, I just, and then teachers will say, well, we don't have money for pencils in the class. It's like, well, because you spend it all on your health care, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not even optional. Like you're either in a union or you're not. Yeah. You can't really opt out. Well, didn't the Supreme Court say you They did. Can? Yeah, I think that was the Janus decision, right? Yeah, um, wasn't that like two years ago? Yeah, and it's it's been, I, I don't know how much it's actually been played out, Um Actually, was fortunate enough to see someone speak who was at the actually the original plaintiff of that whole case. Uh, spoke in Minneapolis, um, maybe a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. Very fascinating to see how hard they had to fight to just allow themselves to be heard. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but most teachers are, and most districts are required to be a part of that union, or they just. They're either ostracized professionally, and they and they leave early because you know maybe and maybe it's a really talented person who could make a difference in education, um, but they just they're not accepted into the fold, if you will, right? Um, but the union is almost like a prerequisite, and in many cases, I think many teachers don't even understand that they're they have a paycheck deduction automatically that happens that goes to that union, and as we all probably know, and maybe you guys have covered this before, but the single largest contributor to the DFL party, at least in Minnesota, is the teachers' education union. Yeah, but it's for the children. It is so, for the children. You're yeah. right. Well, so I'm a horrible heroes. person, so you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I keep I stealing Sparrowhawk's line. <laughs> <laughs> He's just sitting over here stewing. <laughs> yeah. I, and the other thing now you're starting to see frustration with the good teachers is that they can't discipline half of these kids. You know, a kid can be disruptive in a class and they can't remove them. Right. At all. And this is insane. I mean, we make the job harder for the good teachers not only because they can't get rid of the poor performers, you know, that a lot of the schools have core curriculum that, um, that all the teachers are using. And some teachers are trying really hard to apply this to their students and other ones are just half-assing it. And you get kids who know each other through sports or whatever. And some kids are saying, you don't have any homework. You don't really have to do much. And they're just like, yeah, our teacher doesn't make us do stuff. It's it, They're really ripping these kids off as far as their education. And it, it teaches them, you know, hey, you don't have to try too hard because you're just going to get through anyway. Right. Yeah. I think there's so many levels to, you know, parents send their kids to school in the morning. You go to your job. Um, you have an expectation of what's going to happen. It's either met or it's not. But sometimes you don't know whether that's met or not until later on. Usually it's when there's a homework assignment where the child actually needs help with or there's a project or there's a long-term, you know, paper or something they need to, you know, produce. Um, Or your daughter comes home in tears saying they watched a video at school that was inappropriate. That's that's true. Yeah, and that's happened. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. What was the video? Well, I wouldn't say she was in tears. This actually happened to us. Um, but I, I, I will say I'm very blessed. I have a daughter who's very, very attuned to, um, how do I want to phrase this? I don't, I'm not going to be politically correct. I'm, she's, she's attuned to the bullshit. Okay? Yeah. She understands there are certain things that are, they do not fit the curriculum. They do not fit the goal of the class that she's in. And it, and it can, if it smells or tastes of indoctrination, she's, Somehow, I don't know who blessed her with this, but she's able to s- sniff that shit out. And she actually comes home and tells us about it. So I've been very lucky that I have a kid who do, who can do that, and she talks to us openly about it. And that actually happened to us. Um, and it was a Netflix series. 
that David Letterman was hosting with, you know, former President Obama, um, basically suggesting that <clears throat> the Trump administration was going to be incredibly racist. They were going to take black people back 100 years, referenced... Um, uh, oh, he just, I mean, it was an overlaid video of Trump's rhetoric and his, and his, his rallies and things overlaid with images of burning crosses and folks in Ku Klux Klan robe. I mean, it was terrible. And she saw that right away and said, I, I, this is not, this is not serving my curriculum. This is not serving what my, my sixth grade social studies experience should be about. And she came home and told us about it and it was great. Um, and I watched the video and I, I took notes, you know, as much as I could and, and I'm just very grateful that she was able to come home and actually tell us about it um, and, and tuned us into, hey, there's a teacher here who's trying to shape the way we think about events that are way outside our purview at 11 years old, for crying out loud, right? Yeah. Um, That's straight up when they when you talk about indoctrination. That's what that is. That's what it was. And, yeah. and she knew it. Yeah. Um, well, how about we just teach kids math and reading and stuff like that. And I've said this all along. Let's not teach them why Billy has two dads. And when they say, why does Billy have two dads? You go, because his dads are gay and they love each other. Okay, next question. Right. Let's, let's move on. Right. We don't care. We don't have to tell the world why those two are together. Also, or, why don't they teach them how to balance a checkbook or, or to, you know, like basic finance? There's no basic finance being taught in school. Well, we mentioned this once before. There was, I can't remember if it was a college or a high school, was teaching a class called Adulting 101. Yeah. And when I first heard it, I thought, oh, more of this bullshit. And it was actually like, here's how a mortgage works. And they need it. Here's yeah. what happens with but credit cards. But that's stuff cards. they I'm should like, learn in high school. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, wait a second. This is good. Teach those kids that but, now. But teach them in high school. Yeah. yeah. Don't, don't wait till college. No, I was listening to a, a, I was actually digging a hole in the yard today to plant a shrub for my wife. And I was listening to Why are you winking when Pan, you say that? Pandora. Um, <laughs> There's a country song, that, and it said, you know, it was like a letter to himself. He was writing back to himself, like his 17-year-old self. And it, one of the things he said was, learn how to balance a checkbook and learn how to type, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking, exactly. Like, the practical skills of life that will actually serve you later on, the, under, the basic understandings of economics, the way the world works, how business works, how the government works, civics, things like that. We took those. We all did. Well, shit, the Constitution. Right. We don't teach it. No. And I think... Not to jump way outside the box here, but the the visceral reaction that we've seen so far in the last six weeks of this pandemic lockdown, um, honestly, I think is a direct result of the deprogramming and the indoctrination that society has done to our kids in schools. We have generations now who don't think about the Constitution first, their, light, their rights, their liberties, their... Um, the things they're entitled to, and they're willing. They just drink it up like gravy. They, they, they'll take the government control and say, well, I guess I'm not supposed to go out without a mask, without this, without that. I can't go to a restaurant. I can't get my hair cut. Um, Wait a second. You drink gravy? I do. Yeah, okay. by the boatload if I can. <laughs> this is... Uh, I mean, gravy's awesome. This right? got weird. <laughs> I, it, well, it's, it's in my I favorite. also constantly write my name and date up in the left-hand corner of every piece of paper before I start writing on it for whatever reason. I don't know, but I do. I do that. <laughs> Well, I think it's I I am not happy with the way the Constitution not only doesn't get taught, but it gets trashed. When they say stuff like the Second Amendment, they'll be like, Well, they never pictured, you know, people having automatic weapons and everything. Yeah, they, they kinda did. Or or they do a thing where let's talk we're gonna talk about the founding fathers. Okay, they were slaveholders. Yeah, those rich white men. They were racist. Moving on. Well and I mean that's basically what they get taught. What let's talk about Christopher Columbus. Oh, Boy, you know what's funny though is what things they don't teach. And again, I mentioned Tom Saul all the time. He brings this up. Mm. He says the Continental Congress or the Constitutional Congress ended slavery in the United States. Right. There was no more slavery to the U.S. They said, "Look, we've got it. We have to keep it to keep our these colonies together, mm -hmm. but we're not adding more of it." The slave trade ended in the 1700s. Correct. In the United States. Right. And Jefferson even said. I mean, Jefferson, who was a slaveholder, he said, slavery is like holding a wolf by the ears. You don't want to do it, but you can't let go. Um, and those plantations made it on that. No one's, I, I would say, right or wrong, no one's going to say that was right, mm -hmm. you know, especially in the context of the world today. But they never talk about when they say, well, they were slave owners. Okay, half of them were. That's a fact. But they don't say what that document did or how that continental or that 
Cong- that Constitutional Congress tried to get rid of slavery. Right. And they tried really hard, and they said, ultimately, if we do, we don't have a country. So let's at least stop it right now. It's a great point. I think that I wish that our schools would talk about the fact that prior to 260 years ago, and we'll actually, you know, the, the Constitution was ratified for, what, 200 and, well, 237 years ago, I think, post-Revolutionary War. Um, if you were a human being on Earth 250 years ago, more than likely you were a serf, a peasant, a slave, and you belonged to someone else. You're, yeah, and you you're, couldn't leave. You couldn't leave. You, you were, government was doled down to you and not the other way around. There's only been two examples in the history of mankind where government is actually produced by people and then given up. The Greeks did it, and we did it here in the United States, in America. Yeah. And and the the greatest two freeing principles of humanity in the last thousand years are Christianity and capitalism. Oh, you you had to go the Christianity thing. I'm done. And I'm I and I don't I'm kidding. I, I'm not I'm not <laughs> saying I'm behind it 100 percent no and i know I, and, and there's think they have done things through the years that i and through the centuries that i totally disagree with however the idea that men are equal is a christian principle and they're independently attached to their creator in the protestant sense is universal and unique but capitalism and the idea that men are free is something unique to this country and i don't understand why getting back to the education uh, theme. I don't understand why that's not talked about. There has never been an example in the history of organized civilization where people have been more free and more able to choose and pursue their own destiny than this country, regardless of race, creed, color, and religion. And I don't understand why our educators don't triumph that and put that into their mindsets. The children would benefit from that. They would Kids like positive things. They just do. I don't know why we don't talk about that more. But Well, but don't you think it's a jealousy thing? I mean, really? You, I, there's a poster in my kid's school that says, teachers make every profession possible. And I'm like, everything? And they're like, yep, they all go through grade school. They're all formed right here. Mm. And I think they go through grade school because they have to. You know? They have yeah, to go through right. it. You're required to go. If you don't, you're truant. Yeah. So if... If you go, that teacher gets to claim some of your success at that point. And don't you think there are a lot of these sort of embittered teachers? Again, there are some great teachers out there, but there's a subsection of these teachers that don't like the job they have. They realize they're stuck in it because they can't go on to anything else. And, you know, they thought, hey, this would be a cool job. I like kids. I get my summers off, you know, that kind of thing. And they got in and like the line from the breakfast club goes, you realize this was work, you know? Right. And they make a decent amount of money. Um, they have a great pension. They have a great, uh, they have a great uh, healthcare program. Like we talked about, it's almost like a societal welfare system in a way they can't get out of it. And so they see these kids go on to be whatever. 20 years later, Jimmy's the CEO of a company and you're like, God, I taught that kid math. And they just become more and more embittered. Mm-hmm. I think there's something to that. Is it a large percentage of them? No, but I would say it's a healthy chunk who just think, I do the same job over and over, and these kids go on. That's, I did that. What's that saying comes from, where does that come from, where it says those that can't do teach? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the attitude. It's like they they haven't made it, or they know the concepts of how to do start a business or how to be in a profession and, and be successful, but they can't apply it. So they just decide, oh, well, I'll teach somebody how to do it, and maybe right. they can apply right. that. But think how many teachers you had who, I mean, through your experience, who really challenged you, mm-hmm. who really just said, all right, let's see what you can do. And there aren't many of them. And the ones you did, you were like, gosh, that guy was hard on me, or that woman was hard on me, but, man, I really felt like I got something out of that. Like I had a, I had a history class sophomore year of high school that was just, there was no written work. It was, it was an oral history class. It was like, okay, we're doing the uh, Constitutional Congress all over again. Your representative so and so from this, from uh, this place, you got to argue it. Go, and you're like, whoa. And we had a class like that for a month. Mm. We stood up there and had to make these. I mean, just like you were in that thing, and it, it makes you think. Uh, probably your teacher who taught that probably had a very firm grasp on the actual material. Yeah. 
not to disparage all teachers, but I question whether or not many of them who are in instructional capacity actually have that. I think they regurgitate lesson plans and they are given things to prompt them through a year. I mean, I'm seeing it right now, right? Our kids are home. They can't meet face-to-face. They're on Zoom calls and Google Hangouts and whatever else. The amount and volume of work has dropped dramatically. And I understand that part of that's going to be just because of the, the situation, you know, around it. But I'm starting to question even the private educations that I'm paying for for both of my kids. I don't see the, I don't see the grasp and understanding and comprehension of material that's displayed and distributed to my kids in a, in a way that challenges them and forces them to step outside. Like you had a non-written class. Think about that. Like, how old were you? Sophomore year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was fifteen. So you're fifteen years old, and you're being asked to. Uh, stand up and represent a, a, a representative 240 years before you yeah. and understand uh, all of the things that, that weighed on their mind. I mean, that is a, that's a comprehensive education. I don't know of maybe a handful of teachers that at least in, that I've, I've experienced in both of my kids. I don't know of anyone who could do that. Well, and you know, the, the really interesting part of that class was we all knew sort of how the Constitution worked, that you had a House that mm-hmm. represented the population right. and the Senate that represented the states, something people like Bill Maher can't get their fucking head around exactly. anymore. I right. mean, just why does Wyoming have two senators? Duh, Bill. I mean, think about it. But anyway, we we're in that class and we're all sitting there going, OK, we know how the Constitution shook out and what they're doing. But we all sort of quietly agreed without saying anything. We weren't going to go that route. We're going to find something else. Mm. And we went round and round on this thing for like three weeks. And one of the kids in the class finally stood up and he goes, all right, here's how we got to do this. And he named, you know, he said, we got to have a Senate. We got to have a house, you know, and we got, you know, that's how we're going to have to do this. And finally, everybody goes, oh, thank God. You know, <laughs> thank God you said it because right. we were, we we're realizing there's no other way to do this. And at 15 years old, you had kids arguing passionately on behalf of New York. No, it's got to be based on population. And people arguing on behalf of like Delaware and Rhode Island going, no, 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 no. We're just as important as everybody else. And we all knew what we had to do to fix it. And none of us thought, well, let's just do it because it seemed like a cop-out. And we were really, for three weeks, just turning this over going, how do we find a way out of this? And we didn't. And it gave you an appreciation for what they what they did. The only regret I have in that class is that they didn't teach us about the Federalist Papers, where I love when they say, well, what we think the framers were thinking when they said this. No, read the Federalist Papers, because mm-hmm. they literally go, all right, here's what we meant. Right. Especially Jefferson and Madison. I mean, they were prolific, you know? And when it comes to, like, gun control, which I mentioned before, they said, well, we don't know exactly what the founders meant. And Madison had one case where these, you know, once the Constitution's been ratified, these... uh these uh, shipping companies were getting their ships attacked by pirates. And they said, can we arm our ships? You know, can we, can we do that? And Madison goes, yeah, you're supposed to, it's not our job to protect you. We can't arm yourselves. And then he went on to say, what we want is people who scare their government. And so when you see these protests, like you guys were at the Minnesota Capitol and they say, those people there with guns were just trying to intimidate people. Fuck. Yeah, they were. That's what that's the, how it works. That's what the Second Amendment is for. Right. Exactly. Protects the first, the fourth, and everything else. Well, that's what Trey Gowdy said. He right. goes, the Second Amendment protects all the other ones. You know? Yeah. So Well, don't you think some of the problem with the curriculum nowadays is the dumbing down because they can't A discipline, B, um, they have to pass these kids they're told they can't they can't have 60 percent of their class fail if they're if they're a class full of dummies because they're from um an an area that has very little parental involvement um so you've got class fulls of kids that are yeah you're you're diversifying quote unquote your classes uh you can't discipline because of what happens when you discipline is it shows a disparity in racial groups Mm -hmm. so there's racial certain racial groups are are more apt to be disruptive certain racial groups are apt to have more trouble you know completing assignments on time or at all or to a certain standard and you can't point that out because because even if you are applying discipline fairly in your class you have the same standard of discipline for everybody as a teacher 
you will get called into the office saying, um, we noticed you're sending down a disproportionate number of black kids. Sure. Yeah. We can't do that. Someone's going to get Yeah, there's, a, there's an awesome article, actually, that uh, one of our local publications has on that exact issue around um, the normalcy around discipline related to race. Um, but the reality is the dissolution of the family unit in America. Yeah, of course. That's You don't have a a leg to stand on if you don't have discipline. You just don't. Um, the greatest enemy of the left, and if I can go there, is... Um, yeah, you can go there here. Okay. You can go there all you want. Uh, the, the, the greatest <laughs> enemy of the left is an, is an independent um, citizenry who is educated and understands their worth and their value and looks at their government as something uh, outside of the federal of the federal system as extra and and maybe intrusive. Madison was absolutely scared to death of the intrusion of the federal government into an individual's life. Um, I, I'm a little bit ashamed that pop culture took Alexander Hamilton and turned him into this Broadway show because actually Alexander Hamilton, what he really stood for, if you actually read his biography and what he was actually about, um, he was an, he was a, he was Washington's right-hand man and encouraged him to do so many things that I don't know if Washington would have had the courage to do otherwise, but he had someone younger than him telling him, you are the guy that can do this. They were so terrified of government overreach because they all had seen it, they'd witnessed it, they saw what it meant, what it could do, and how it terrorized populations of, you know, you, you mentioned Delaware and Rhode Island in, you know, in relationship to New York. New York obviously has always been that. They thought they had the foresight to think ahead and think about that. And Hamilton's ideas were, if we don't protect the individual rights of the common man, because they're not given by us. And that, that is something that I think is lost on, I know my kids for sure, and right. unless I teach them that, there's this, there's this misnomer that the Constitution and the, and the Bill of Rights is something that the government endows you with. No, no, it's exactly opposite of that. God has endowed you as a human being with these rights. The government's role is to protect those rights. Yeah, they're not given to you by the government. Exactly. They're given to you by God. And that's, that's something that our kids, unless we tell them that, they're not going to hear that in any school. But even if, so even if someone is an atheist or an agnostic, I've had friends who do that and they go, oh, here you go with the God argument again. I said, okay, cool. Let's just do it like this. Let's just, instead of God, let's say nature. Sure. What they did with the Bill of Rights is said, before we even get going on this, here's the stuff you get to do. doesn't matter if the government's here or not. You get to say what you want. You get to go where you want. You get to associate with what you want. You get to defend yourself. You know, you can't have a government that comes in and touches these things. And that's what we're sort of losing right now in right this now. pandemic thing is this idea that people go, well, you know, you can freely associate as long as nobody gets sick. And there's that meme going around of, I think it's Madison standing up at, at the convention going, none of this matters if people get sick, right? Exactly. And it's yeah, I've seen it's that. bullshit. Yeah, and, I mean, the, you know, the good example is churches being closed, forced to be closed. You, you can't, you, that's, a, that's a right. In the Constitution, you cannot, uh, there shall not be infringed the the to be able to congregate and, and um, worship worship well and this is this is one part I hate to say it where Karl Marx kind of had it right on the religions the opiate and the masses because a lot of church going people just go well yeah you know let's just do our part and go along well, and a should... lot of the churches are super cucked anyway I know but people have Marx's point was religion is used to sort of keep and when you look at the history of what the Pope did you know I grew up Catholic mm -hmm. so you know. That you can look at and say it was just meant to sort of keep people down um, in some cases. And I think in some situations, people have let that go too far. What they should just do is go, I'm going to church. You know, stop me. Right. And what's going to happen is the cops may swoop in and arrest everybody and they'll take you off and process you and then release you because it's a misdemeanor, I think. And then, uh, you know, nothing's going to happen from it. Because if you go back again the next week, you just have to have the courage of it. And that's what. Yeah, you know, that's what Martin Luther King did with a lot of his stuff. He's like, yeah, you're going to arrest me. You know, go ahead and arrest me. I understand, but it's righteous and I'm going to do it. And that's where I have a problem with a lot of the Black Lives Matter people now who go out there and say, what, I got arrested for being on private property? You can't do that. Overturn that. It's like Martin Luther King would be ashamed of you people. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So I was going to say there is one TED Talk on education everybody should look at. Um, it's this 
Sir Ken Robinson. It's only 20 minutes long. And he talks about how to get education out of Death Valley. And one of the things he brings up is, why do we keep kids in classes by grade? So if a kid is in third grade but can do fifth grade math, why does he have to be in the class? By age. Yeah. Why does he have to do... Why does he have to move around this building or have teachers move into his class Mm. based on the age of kids in his class? And what he doesn't really get to is, because that would be hard. It would be hard to do that. Right. You know, moving these kids around and everything. Yeah, these uh, administrators that get paid a shitload of money from being in unions, they'd actually actually have to do some work, figure it out. Why are kids in class, period? Because what I've learned the last couple of months is that my kids can learn just as good, if not better, at home. So why are we even going to a building with classes and teachers? They have to socialize with a diverse they community. Have to indoctrinate. They're... It's a lot easier to indoctrinate <laughs> when you have them in front of those teachers that indoctrinate yeah. them. Let's put I, it that way. I do think there's a lot to be said for kids socializing, not necessarily for diversity reasons and all that. Kids, especially elementary school age kids, need to be around other kids. Correct. They just need to, or they become sociopaths. You know. But you can do that like a couple hours a day at the YMCA, right? Right. Well, and I th- I feel like what what I've noticed at least is the money that I'm I'm spending on private education. Um, we can check a bunch of boxes, it, whatever curriculum you put in front of us, and say, hey, you got to do these things and hit these standards, otherwise you cannot advance to you know that grade. You know, to use your example, the social aspect is limited, and then this whole thing that we're doing right now is it's that, and I think I think the left knows that. I think they know by disassociating the social aspects of whether it be education or what have you. I mean, you got to think about this. There are kids in the public school system who they don't know socialization other than a classroom. Right. If they even come three days a week, mm-hmm. we've got we we have friends um, who who are public educators. When this pandemic hit, they said, "I can't even get them to come to school when we can go to school." You think they're going to log on and yeah. do work? They don't have a direction. Now, and that's that's not their fault, but it gets back to my point about the dissolution of the family unit. If you continue to dumb this down and water this down, and, and now you've taken away the social aspect, which to your point, if you don't have kids socializing together, you're right. They become introverted sociopaths. Yeah. So this is great for them. In my opinion, this pandemic, I'll call it a pandemic is the left's last stand. This is their Armageddon. I'm not going to get super party affiliated, but I believe that in the last three and a half years, we've seen an awakening of free thought and capitalism, and the, certainly in the Western world, and maybe you could even argue in the Eastern world as well. Oh, how dare you. All right, I know. Um, You're challenging the new world order, sir. That whole globalization Obama agenda is crumbling under this deregulated economy where every man, woman, child, regardless of race and education, can start a business, get a job, increase their wages, buy a house, plant flowers at that house, raise kids, and do things. That is terrifying to the left. That is their greatest enemy. An independent population who doesn't need government is absolutely terrifying to career politicians and the ones on the progressive left who think that government is the deity. And that's the key to me. The relationship between religion and society and the separation of church and state, if you don't if you don't acknowledge that the deity of the left is government, is the state, the central planning unit who dictates what you can do, where you can go, where you can shop, you have to if you're oh, you're going to Menards, you gotta wear a mask. You can't come in here without a mask. Well, there's no law. Menards doesn't have a law that says that. They can refuse you service. Just like the McDonald's signs when we were kids that said no shoes, no shirt, no service. Yeah. I get that. I totally get that. But the biggest enemy of the, of the political left is an educated population who's actually interested and in valuing their own independence. And that's, you're seeing it now. Huntington Beach, California, yesterday and today had massive, pro- California, massive protests of individuals saying, I'm not going to not go to the beach because you tell me it's not safe because I don't believe you. That's yeah. an awakening to Yeah. Me. But then you see the the fact is that the people the entrenched swamp um, you know progressives basically that that are that spread like a virus over the past sixty years 
that have gotten into these institutions that have control that that know how to like uh, manipulate and from a from a very young age so education uh media um you know the news is no longer you know it's it everybody knows the hollywood the yeah, mod, oh, totally uh the mainstream media is the propaganda arm of the democrat party exactly everybody knows that yep, that's their pr wing but don't don't you think and look i've said it before i i got some issues with trump but sure but don't you think the reason he threatens them is that he doesn't have to play their game? Right. I mean, the part that bugs me about these senators is, you know, Lindsey Graham and Joe Biden served together for how many years? Mm-hmm. Look, they're friends. Okay. So they'll go on the Sunday morning talk shows and they'll go at each other a little bit and then they all go out for drinks later. Okay. And they say, look, how are we going to make this work for you? And how are we going to make this work for me? And Trump's brought in a whole bunch of people who go, I don't fucking care. It's all broken. Let's fix it. That and is exactly right. There's no better example than Trump getting Barr in there who's turning Durham loose on these people. I mean, Durham's the one who's digging up all this FBI shit where they're literally saying, okay, what are we doing here? Are we trying to get this guy to lie or what? And those notes that were written there, mm-hmm. I I interpret those as that agent going, I don't know what we're doing. This seems weird to me. And Comey just saying, just go there and find a violation of the Logan Act. And that agent's going, the Logan Act? Yeah. Nobody uses that. Right. And it's, it's never been successfully prosecuted in the history of the United States. But this stuff, well, it's because they don't even try. They don't try. And they can't because it, right. it wouldn't hold up. Right. Because this stuff's this stuff is coming out now. And I think it's, I, I think there's, you know, you talk about an awakening. I think the awakening is yet to come sort of in the September, October range. Because where we're going to get, you know, people aren't paying rent now and mm-hmm. they're, you know, defaulting on some of the stuff, but nobody's doing anything about it because we're all in this pandemic together. But this is going to get sorted out sort of around September, October, and banks are going to start going, okay, we need to get paid. And that, and landlords are going to say, okay, we need to get paid. And you're going to see people bailing, skipping out on four months of rent. And we're going to have all this stuff going around and people are going to have no choice but to look at it and go, government fuck this up the entire way. And the part that Trump, I think, is playing brilliantly right now is he's going, hey, I said open up your state. Get it open. Let's go. Come on. And, you know, in the past, the Democrats have always been able to say, well, we're going to do this to fix this problem. And then when it got bad, they go, well, imagine how bad it would have been. You know, there's no control group for them. Well, in this, there's a control group. Texas, Florida, Colorado, the states that started to open. Well, that goes back to my point where they had control of the message for so long mm-hmm. in academia and Hollywood and in the media or the, the news room. And when the tech com- or the social media started to ramp up and all of a sudden everybody had a voice and pe- messages were getting out and people were getting hugely influential in inf- work talking out of their basement, you know, and the tech companies realized when Trump got elected that they played a huge role in getting him elected and they hated that. So they were, they've been trying for the last three years to figure out how to not make, not allow that to happen. And they've been, you know, slowly but surely ramping up that, you know, censorship game. Right. And they're trying to drown out all the of alternate voices that tell you the truth. Right. And, and they want to like the, even uh, Susan w- Wojcicki or whatever, wiki wiki. Um, she says that she's going to make sure that anybody that puts out anything about the coronavirus on YouTube or was it Facebook? YouTube. YouTube. On YouTube, it has to back whatever the World Health Organization right. says. Otherwise, they will delete it. Trusted sources. Yeah. Trusted sources. Um, and their sources. But, but that's, that's, that's a little part of what they do. They're, if you even mention the word coronavirus and you're not a mainstream media checkmark, I know they use that for Twitter, but you know, you're, mm-hmm. you're not uh, vetted as mainstream media. If you mention coronavirus in your video, they have algorithms that scour every video for whatever you post, you know, either what you type your, you type your, um, your title mm-hmm. or audio, audio. If you say the word coronavirus, boom, you're flagged. You get, you get, um, blacklisted, you get uh, shadow banned and they're ramping all that shit up because they're, like you said, they're panicking, they're desperate because people are waking up. But I, I'm, I'm on that edge right now going, I think they still could win this, you know? And the only thing that gives me hope right now with this coronavirus is and I actually, I didn't have hope before it. Because life was so good for everybody. And you've got that saying, like, you know, good times create weak men. 
You know, weak men create hard times. Hard times create strong men. Mm -hmm. And it's just a circle. Sure. And I think we were in that circle where it's such good times that it was inevitable that it was just going to create really hard times. And then this is kind of that, uh, the coronavirus thing is kind of this, it's an impetus to change that, like turn it on its head, like sooner than it should have, you know, the cycle. But when have we ever seen, ever, I think they said in Michigan, it was 3,500 protesters show up at the Capitol to go after Whitmer on this whole thing. Mm -hmm. When have we seen 3,500 conservatives show up and protest anything? Because we have jobs. We have things to do. It's but, in... No, no, just when. No, I agree. When have we ever seen them do that? We haven't. We've seen tons of, you know, Antifa rallies and all yeah. this stuff. We've never seen right. large groups of conservatives come out and say, or even sort of Reagan Democrats go, not doing this anymore. That's a good point. And there's, there's a lot of people, well, in the UP in Michigan, you know, when Whitmer said you can't travel to your summer home up north, and the three, the three counties up there had three sheriffs who got together mm -hmm. and wrote a letter, open letter in the paper that said, yeah, come on up, we're not enforcing it. Right. You know, I mean, these are people who, so I mean, they're elected officials who are in charge of those laws, and they're just like, yeah, we're not. We're not doing it. I think, go back one, uh, just a couple minutes ago, something you said, <clears throat> and it, it actually ties into what you just finished. The power of the government is in the word no. No gives them electability, and it creates a system of lobbying. If there's a farmer in rural Iowa who says, I could really probably serve my pig farm better if I had a drainage pond built here where I could actually use it to irrigate the crops that I'm going to grow to then feed my pigs, um, and he has to go check with a county commissioner to get a a, a, a a build, right? An agreed dug for a, you know, for a dig for his pond. The commissioner says no, right? The state senator might say no. The state rep might say no. The power is in no for the government. Always has been. Because no creates convince me to say yes. Convince me to say yes is lobby me, right? Get an attorney and convince me that this is a good thing. When you actually have someone like Trump who enters the equation, who deregulates commerce and says, I'm going to let people and business decide how this works, it wrecks the entire game. So when Lindsey Graham and Joe Biden go out to drinks, like your point, exactly, because they're both in the business of saying no. They scratch each other's backs and they figure out a way to make this all work. Trump wrecked that. They had a rigged card game that they met every Friday night, right? in some back room with mahogany shelves and smoke and cigars and bourbon. And he wrecked it because he doesn't care. Right. And, not, and I, I have my issues with him too. But that's why he's their enemy. He's not, they don't see him as a racist. They don't see him as a misogynist or a xenophobe. They see him as someone who's wrecked their colloquial game of pay me, lobby me, get me to say yes, because my power is in the word no. And it works at the local, state, and federal level. And that's why this whole thing got turned upside down, in my opinion. Yeah, and he's opened up the all the stuff that people were talking about. Right. The, the fringe uh, conspiracy theorists that were talking about the deep state and the swamp. Well, you're the news now. Yeah. I mean, so, this this is the news. Yeah. What, what so, we talk about in, you know, in, on podcasts like it's this. It's mainstream now. The, yes. Everybody's, the word deep state and swamp are not considered conspiracy theory talk anymore. Right. right. It's real. And people know it's real, right? Because they didn't have that uh, the the propaganda arm of the Democrat Party squashing that. They because uh, tech, alt tech, kind of had not alt tech, but the tech companies and social media just gave that voice. But now they are becoming the de facto uh, government control. Like right. the government can't control, but these tech companies have so much fucking power, and they have a hand in hand symbiotic relationship with the government now. That they protect each other. Well, they're contracted. Yeah, they protect each other. Seventy percent so, of the world's internet traffic goes through the AWS servers and the digital real estate in Northern Virginia, which is contracted to the Washington Post and yeah. Jeff Bezos. I mean, what does that tell you? So, so you don't have to have the government take away your rights. Right. You can have these oligarchs, these tech company oligarchs, take away your rights, and you will. It'll be the exact same effect exactly. on you. Yep. And that's scary. I don't want that. Right. But, you know, because of capitalism, you've got you've got the ability to take away their their wealth too by just saying, you know what, we're just not gonna use them. Right. Yeah, the problem with that is that you've got like capitalism is being subverted in some of these instances. Like these companies are getting away with bullshit that they shouldn't get away with because 
they're supposed to like these their social media are supposed to be a platform and they're acting like publishers and they're they're getting the tax benefits and the write-offs and the government you know handout because or um, not handout but uh, protection from lawsuits and stuff because they're acting like platforms or they say they're platforms and they're but acting they're like publishers, publishers. Yeah, exactly. and yeah. and they lobby because they got the money to lobby I, for that i get that but they keep every time they should turn left they turn right and every turn time they should turn right they turn left and the problem is people like bezos and uh you know mark zuckerberg who are very smart very well educated people make the mistake of buying into their own hubris and thinking everybody thinks like they do mm-hmm. everybody is smart like them and if they're not smart like them they can just show them and they'll be smart like them and you say the power of government is in the word no it's the same with people the power in the populace is to say make me right you know i'm you can't go to church stop me right you know and in a much different way, it's sort of what Gandhi did. Gandhi's like, yeah, they're going to beat you, but they can only do it so long before they get tired. You know, and everybody, if they would just sort of suck it up and understand, you you look at that Michigan rally again, what were the cops doing? There's people walking into the Capitol with guns. Cops were standing there taking people's temperature. They weren't interested in stopping that whole thing. Probably because they didn't want to cause a scene, but there's also probably a lot of cops who are like, yeah, this is fine with us. Right, right. But then you're getting all these videos coming out of the cops kind of just following along with the uh, with the unconstitutional edicts of governors, governors and mayors, and harassing the shit out of people. There's always I'm yet to see a person harassed and arrested or confronted in their own home for having a play date who's armed. Just just casual observation. I've not seen a cop confront a woman at a playground and say, "You can't be here." Who's packing a sidearm? Well, look at that one we played last time. Of that those two sheriff's deputies in uh, Wisconsin. That's what you, Osprey, that's what you're referencing. The, yeah, yeah, came to that house and were yeah. hassling that yeah. woman. And people will go, yeah, see, these cops have bought into it. I'm willing to bet that those two sheriff's deputies were fucking pricks in high school. That they were assholes. They loved the whole power trip, and they couldn't. They were just going, I can't wait till I can be a fucking cop. They were probably wrestlers for sure. <laughs> I would think so. So, no, I'm with you. Yeah, I just so I don't think what they were doing was any conspiratorial thing or anything other than you it's, know just the whole idea of power. I can tell you to get back in your house. It's like any other profession, right? There's there are some people who get into it for a noble reason, and others who don't. And yeah. I'm guessing you're right on those two because well, that was you could see the look on the guy's yes. face when this when he's sitting here going like this woman in this trailer park is telling me no. And he's just like, do I need to explain it to you again? She's like, I get it. Now what? And he's just like, just get in your house. You know? Right, right. Well, do you want to do some uh, would you rathers? Well, we're coming up on time, aren't we? It's 45 minutes. But... Okay, yeah, let's do a few. All right, and we'll do like three of them. Get ready. This is the hard part. Would you rather get rainbow highlights in your hair or paint your fingernails rainbow colors? Oh, my God. I should have pre-screened these. I, I, I'll answer right away. I can put my hands in my pockets. Yeah, or put wear gloves. Sure. I ride a motorcycle. Actually, you know what? Yeah, I can wear gloves because yeah. it's pandemic. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> so easy peasy. Take I don't know. That, that guy who was always, uh, like in the 80s and 90s, who was always at all the sports events with the- Oh, the John 316 guy. Yeah, with the hair. Sure. I don't know. That guy got famous. He did. He was on so, TV every week. Yeah. I don't know. I might go for the hair. Would you rather ask for permission or beg for forgiveness? Uh, beg for forgiveness. I don't yeah, know if I like beg. Four married guys. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I'm, I'm not a huge rebel. I have a little problem with authority, but I think I'd probably still ask for permission before begging for forgiveness. Okay, fair. So, if you had to, if you had to choose one. So, what about you, Sparrowhawk? Um, I think Rooster kind of nailed it. I don't beg for forgiveness I just yeah. I mean I don't I just go sorry you know? <laughs> whoops sorry whoops accident <laughs> try not to do it again I mean if that's begging that's what I'm doing right there's a there's a local radio guy who's got a podcast now he says um one of the, well he's got a bunch of cool things like the FFL female fun limitation factor um and that's you know any situation with guys hanging out having fun is ruined as soon as a wife shows up sure but he has one, uh, it's called the 48-hour rule. You can buy anything, like you buy a new set of golf clubs or whatever, and put it in the spot the other clubs were in. 
so you can swap them out. And if after 48 hours, she looks at it and go, are those new? You go, those have been there forever. Oh, I just learned something. <laughs> yeah, try that one. Yeah, I just I just go with the, um, you'll see I was right later. Kind of, that's my attitude. And that works you'll, out for you, huh? You'll see I was right. It, it usually does. <laughs> I go, remember back when? Oh, I'm sure that works well, yeah, it too. Does, it does. <laughs> Women love it when you throw that back at them. Yeah. It's just like the time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Well, I think I can answer this next one for everybody, I'm, I'm assuming, but I'll ask anyway. You don't know me. Yeah. Would you rather be allowed to slap people in the face penalty-free or spit in their drinks and have them drink it? <laughs> slap for sure. Yeah. Right? Oh, I'm God, not yes. spitting as that's I don't cowardly. want to spit in anybody's drink, but isn't no. slapping just a little too Wait, say French? that. read that again, though. Would you rather be allowed to slap anyone in the face penalty free, or spit and drink and their drinks and have them drink it? Okay, so it doesn't mean like every day, all day, whenever you feel like it. And I'm remember, where the coronavirus is is here now. Yeah, I'm so. not spitting. I'm on a slap. Yeah. Well, I, I yeah, I would do the slap. I figured everybody would answer that, but it I, has to be it has to be a good slap though. It right. has to be like a Rooster Cobburn, John Wayne sort of slap. Yes. You know, oh, from back sure. here, just across am, the face. I'm backhanding every time. Oh, yeah. nice. Okay, with uh, an upward angle. Right. Yeah, and I. But it can't be that little French sort of tap on the cheek. And I would preface it with this: only rooster. (laughs) (laughs) Only rooster thought when you said that that it was like a little tap on the cheek. Only, only he thought that he was like. Have you you seen in Russia those where they have the slap fights? Yes. And (laughs) and they knock each other out. Out. Yeah. 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 Open. That's the slap. That's the slap I pictured immediately. The only thing they're not allowed to do is cup their hand and get their ear because that'll. I think for the record, that's not the slap I brought up first. No, no, it is. It's exactly (laughs) what I heard. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't. We'll even... play it back, and you'll find out I was right. right. Just edit this. <laughs> Your own medicine, right there. I got gotcha. you. It's just like the time. I, gotcha. I couldn't spit in someone's drink. I, oh, there is a movie Memento. Where yes. the guy, yeah, the guy. Oh, now you've ruined it for me. The guy doesn't. He can't remember anything. So, Correct. And the story's told in reverse. It's it's pretty interesting. But there's a scene where people are trying to figure out if he's full of shit. If he really can't remember things, like within a few minutes. So they'll be talking to him, and then after a few minutes, they'll put a glass of beer in front of them and they'll spit in it and have him watch as they pass the beer around the room and have everybody spit in it. And then they sit in front of him and they start talking to him. And after about five minutes, they're like, here, have a beer. And he just took it and like sure. drank it. Yeah. And, and and you get that feel when you're watching, you're like, Ugh. I mean, I think it's all again in perspective. So if, if I was, if I was full on like snorking up the loogie and doing the whole thing and it was green and it was chunky and then I was it'd be it'd be a whole different effect watching someone I, I mean, hate drink yeah. that yeah, yeah, yeah. that I did would and no like cool. literally like, you'd yeah. still rather slap them a slap is a great thing you get the benefit too right yeah yeah like that dude in the subway with the what's the guy with the, with the jacket and he's oh the my god yeah the eight ball jacket, jacket when yeah. he hit that oh man that was one of the most satisfying slaps I've ever seen yeah alright would you rather have an evil twin or a twin who is very boring very boring an evil twin would ruin your fucking life. <laughs> you know what's funny is when my wife and I go for walks, kids from school will recognize her. So we'll walk through neighborhoods that the kids don't know we live right there because most of the people who work at the school don't live right in town. And they'll be like, that's the that's the woman from the school and everything. I said, you should go. No, no, no. That's my twin sister. She's kind of a bitch. <laughs> I'm going to go with evil twin because then if you need shit done, you go to him. Because then there'd be two of you? (laughs) What would keep your evil twin from plotting against you? Well, you didn't specify that. I wouldn't wouldn't want to have a boring twin. Right. Because then you'd have to. What kind of evil? Is he a sociopath or a psychopath? There's a difference. Yeah, I mean, evil has levels. No, you'd you'd want the boring one because then you'd be the cool one. All the time. Yeah, but then you'd have to invite the boring one over to every no, you freaking don't have holiday. To. I guess you don't. You don't have yeah, to. Well, they wouldn't just... come anyways, yeah. right? <laughs> they just sit <laughs> home. <laughs> all right, one more. Would you rather never lose your eyesight or any of your teeth uh, as you age? Wait. Never lose your Jeez. eyesight? Never lose your eyesight. So 2020 eyesight your whole life or never lose any of your teeth. 2020 eyesight. You can get your teeth. Yeah, you can get your I, teeth. You get all fixed. kinds of fake uh, yeah, choppers that look pretty good. I think you can do the big implant. old chicken I teeth see. like Biden. I want to see <laughs> choppers. Big old like choppers. something about Mary. <laughs> well, what does it matter if you can't see? You don't know what you're eating anyway. 
Right. You, know? you can't even taste it. Yeah, you're probably on so many meds at that point, you <laughs> don't even know what it tastes yeah. like. My vision has been getting so bad lately yeah. that I well, really, really want to get in and get to the eye doctor. So. What if you? they should change that to the eyes or losing your teeth, not replacing it, but having your tongue constantly hang out of your mouth all the time? Oh. That's what that, that's the choice. It you might be adorable. Right we like need dogs. so cute. That is really. Cute. We need a sparrowhawk. Would you rather book? <laughs> yeah, right, right. There's option A, B, and sparrowhawk. <laughs> it would be like, would you rather win a million dollars or punch you in the mouth? <laughs> punch sounds pretty good. All right. Well, we are 55 minutes in, so okay. Do you got want, anything do you else quick any we wanted to go on? Well, you were talking about Hamilton and how you were kind of embarrassed that you know, and I was actually embarrassed to find out that I didn't know that he was such a player and yeah. that he had such a good hip hop game. So, I mean, <laughs> I know, that's right? Pretty right. amazing. Who knew? Yeah, who knew? I yeah. have yet to see this Hamilton. I have neighbors You're okay. that, and they swear and they sing it and sure. they try to talk my kids into it. And I just, I don't know. There's something a, something that just says, I don't want to see this because it's going to piss me off. That's because you're a straight white male. I love and the you're part, part of the, the patriarchy. And, you know, you're, you, have white, you have white fragility. Correct. I like the part. Speaking of which, <laughs> that in a second. <laughs> I love the part in Hamilton, though, where they took the guns out. They're like, we can't have guns in this play. The Shut one up. about the Revolutionary uh, War. What are they, they, did they slap each other with their dicks? <laughs> I'll tell you what, I, no, I just, will... No, just I, gloves. They were very French about it. Yeah. Well, I, hand, well so there you go. Slapping. Yeah. Right. We're back to that. Um, <laughs> it is a great biography if you read it, and it will totally change your perspective on who he was and what he meant to the country. And there's a reason why he should never be taken off the $10 bill. Which book? Uh, it's called Alexander Hamilton, oh, okay. and I'll give you the. I, I don't want to quote the author just in case, but uh, is is there hip hop involved in the biography? There is not. He was born in Saint Croix. I mean, so he had an island feel. But yeah, uh, is the story diverse? It's very. He's it very, actually is. Is diversity very okay? You know, very calypso. Yeah, there's a steel <laughs> drum. You have to read it with that kind of you know okay. ringtone in mind. And at but, the end of every sentence, say "Yeah, man." Right, right. <laughs> I mean, to end this, is Rooster going to read a passage from a book he's holding? I got. Can you read t- the title of the book first? White fragility. Oh. Uh, what's the sub title uh, here? Why it's so hard for white people to talk about racism. So my wife has to read this book for school. Oh. That's something that her boss requires her to read. And all I had to see, I've been trying to read it, and I can get through like a page at a time before I throw it at the wall. But do you know who wrote the foreword? Stacey Abrams. Michael Eric Dyson. Michael Eric Dyson. Oh, even better. Yeah, the Neil deGrasse Tyson of pretentious bullshit. Exactly. Um, I thought Neil deGrasse Tyson was the Neil deGrasse Tyson of pretentious no. bullshit. He's, he's at least slightly <laughs> likable. He has the t-shirt. He's at least kind of likable, yeah. you know? I know. Yeah. But uh, so this, there's this one sentence, and this is the reason I, you, you know Stephen A. Smith, sure. the ESPN guy yeah. who tries yeah. to use big yeah. words all the time all the describing time. sports? Yeah. That's who Michael Eric Dyson is, only just with education. And this is one sentence that if you read this, you'd know who wrote it. He goes, it is not enough to be a rhetorician and a semi-etician to deconstruct and demythologize whiteness. Really, nigga? Nigga, please. (laughs) I was going to say, that sounded like uh, Jesse Jackson speaking in Al Sharpton's voice. Yes, exactly. I'm like, this is such bullshit. Like like you were saying, Osprey, the reason white people can't talk about racism is every time we do, we look around like, other black people are going to call us out on this. Exactly. <laughs> I'm just. I'm not worried about black people at all when I talk about race. I'm. I'm irritated by the, uh, the whites that are you know pearl clutching. Well, yeah. The stop it. Show and try to, and try to ruin you With, if you right, talk if right. you try to be realistic about what you're talking. about. I literally have a business card in my wallet, and when I see a group of black people like at a restaurant or anywhere really, I just walk up to them and I give it to them. I say, "Use this," and it just says "white privilege." And I said, "Just use this whenever you want." And you can get whatever you're you welcome. Want. <laughs> exactly. Lay it out. You're welcome. Boom. There it is for you. <laughs> done and done. Uh, nice. I like it. Well, I. This is so stupid to me that you know it, it's this this these white apologists, you know, like they were showing Biden and they said, "Here we go." Uh, they've come. They've done this survey and they said, "You know, we've gone through all this stuff with all these diverse candidates and everything." And who did they settle on? A right. rich white guy. Right. And so they start surveying the different races, like, like, what do you think? And the Hispanics are like, yeah, we're fine with them, you know? And the black people are, yeah, we're fine with them. And then they get to the white people and like 75% disapprove of him being white. Mm-hmm. Of course they do. Yeah, I know. Well, that's all in indoctrination right there. That's that's the problem. That's what we're getting. What it, it, we, This is obviously 
you know, that's a whole other show, but there is something in the psyche about I have to do something so that it makes me feel better about the way that other people perceive me. Virtuous. That is the virtuous yeah. signal thing for white liberals. They just can't get themselves to not do that, and I don't get it. That thing in front of you is a microphone, Sparrowhawk. It helps if you talk into it. <laughs> yeah, there's all these terms that have come up lately, like virtue signaling so and gross. white knighting. Yes. And all these all these terms that came up because you've got all these leftists and these liberals that em embody like the most ridiculous aspect of human nature. Right. And even the left acknowledged that that's there. But it, it You it, mean like when white people walk up to a black guy and then they put their hands on their knees and they go, Hi. Hi, can can I buy you some chicken, or is there is there something I can get for you, a little watermelon, or do you want some Kool Aid? Is that the oh kind of virtue signal you're talking about? Because yeah, not quite that. I'm with you though. The soft expectation or the soft racism of low expectations, oh. right? That's it. That's yeah. it. Like, I know you guys can't figure this out on your own, so I'll help you do it, and then I will make myself feel better about it. But it's it. also That's not like, just not just race. It's it's uh, gender too. Like with sure. women, there's the uh, we have to make sure that. Um, we have uh, commercials that have women that aren't um, mothers, that aren't stay-at-home mothers. They have to be in STEM fields. They have to be scientists and doctors uh, when, they, when they're portrayed, even though naturally girls and women don't go into those fields for a variety of reasons, but we have to you know, do that. And then, Well, you've always said it's because they're not smart enough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how do I respond to this? There's got to be humor. Isn't it time for another would you rather? Thanks, Sparrow, <laughs> thanks, Sparrowhawk, for cutting me off. I was going to respond, but Sparrowhawk decided. Let me just that. say that there's got to be humor in race. There really does. And and the fact that anything race-related lately is so fucking serious and so yeah, that's and point. it's so disgusting. I, I work, there's a, there's a black guy I work with, and we both tell stories back and forth about what happens at work. And the first thing out of his mouth, he'll, when I'm telling a story, he's like, hold on, are these my people? And or the first thing out of my mouth is, no, no, these are my people. You know what I mean? And it's like, and we just laugh about it. And it's like, who gives a because shit? Because both people can be stupid yeah, and, it's like, idiots oh, and act like fools. Shit. Stupidity well, is the one thing right. that connects us all. Well, wasn't, and maybe you can edit this out if you can't tell the story, but didn't you have the one guy who came by your, you're talking about the black guy you work with, you had the guy who came by working was giving a shit, the black guy and the guy yeah, who works yeah, for you he goes, he told me, yeah. He yeah. goes, careful, this ain't your average white guy. <laughs> <laughs> like the guy was supposed to be, he was scaring you because you're yeah. white. And he wasn't was one of your favorite sayings, Sparrowhawk, uh, when, when people come in and try to pull that bull, race bullshit and you go, this isn't. Burger King, it's not your way right away. Yeah, but the other thing is I had one guy that came back after some shit went down. He came back and he's like, I got to come back, man. I, I was in a bad way. You know, I was uh, you know, down here doing some stuff I shouldn't do, and I went to see a therapist, man. And I said, yeah, I talked to this white dude, man, and and, and, and my blackness didn't work. <laughs> I didn't know what the fuck to do. Like, wasn't I he came at his ass and my blackness didn't work. He wasn't <laughs> fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wasn't he saying he was going to fuck you up? And you said, hang on, let me tie my shoes. Yeah, I did. I, I literally tied my shoes. I was like, all right, let's do this. He's like, take me to jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hold up, hold up. But Just take you, me to jail. You know what I love, though, is there's so many terms coming out now that you know the left has always had to just dismiss uh, the right. And now there's so many terms for the right that are coming out that people are just like, they'll do the bless your heart thing. Mm -hmm. People will be like, duh, 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 and then you go, oh, you're stunning and brave. And they're like, they just lose their shit. Did you call me stunning and brave? Yes, I I meant it as a compliment. And then you <laughs> wink at him. Like, fuck you. you know, right. Still stunning and brave. That if you if you want to piss off a liberal and anything on social media, just say that. Stunning and brave. You're stunning and brave. Yep. You're a special individual with outstanding character. <laughs> or you a, lot of, wink, a lot of cell phones. Yeah. A lot, a lot at, of own goals. Or you <laughs> wink at him and you hold your hand on one side and stick your tongue in your cheek and make it look like Oh, that was a nice ASMR right there. No, it I'm wasn't. Gonna, I'm going to play that on a loop and fall asleep to that. <laughs> the, mic, the mic got that for sure. Yeah, it was. It was yeah, gross. that was good. That was good. Yeah. Uh, it was like uh, what? What is that? What did we bring up? The mukbang. Uh, don't bring that up. That again. was mukbang. You guys know what mukbang is? No, don't. Oh, I'm not supposed to. Hang on. Yeah. No, mukbang is. Uh, there's a phenomenon on, on YouTube of of people, generally women, that eat these giant dishes of food, and usually it's seafood. And they'll take like this forty-pound lobster and crack open its its uh, shell, and they'll just stick it in like some sauce and like just start chowing down on it. They'll eat like more food than is humanly possible. Why? And well, people love the sound they makes because they're smacking their lips and and then. What do you mean why? 
Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it obvious? God. Yeah, it's called mukbang. I meant, why has it taken so long for this to catch on? There's a video. There's a there's a video of a Japanese girl that takes live octopus. Sure. And she um, like eats them while they're live, and they're like suctioning to her face. Oh, that's... And she's peeling the suctions off as she's sucking them down her gullet. Doesn't it like fucking hot? Doesn't it ink on her? Doesn't it ink in her mouth? Then after one of them, yeah, mm. inks. Yeah, you yeah, got to pay extra for that. God damn, that's hot. <laughs> Well, that's that's Crow's one of his superpowers. He keeps bringing up stuff on the show that people go, "I'm going to Google that." Then they go, "God, I wish I'd have never done that." Yeah, yep. I need to delete this history really quick on this <laughs> device. <laughs> well, let's uh, end that here. We've got uh, plenty. To, uh, well, I'd, I'll edit it down to 35 minutes. Sure. All right. <laughs> Just so, take out anything Osprey said. Um, yeah, please. If there's anything that you think we got wrong or you want us to talk about, you can email us. It's rooster at breadandcircusespodcast.com or crow at breadandcircusespodcast.com. And then uh, check us out on our Facebook page, Bread and Circuses Podcast. Like, share, do all that stuff. We appreciate it. See you. Bye. Bye.